And I'm Rin. And we're here at Commonwealth Holistic Herbalism in Boston, Massachusetts. And on the internet everywhere, thanks to the power of the podcast. Woo! Yes. <laughs> so this is episode 227, and uh, we are going to complete our Herbs A to Z series. Remember, this is not all the herbs in the entire alphabet, because uh, <laughs> we would literally never end. We would never end. Um, but uh, this is the, the herbs on our shelves back here in our home apothecary, the ones that we keep uh, ready to hand so that we can make a cup of tea at a moment's notice. Mm-hmm. Um, we, ha- we, have, we have some more herbs than this, but they're the ones that we don't turn to quite as often and we just have around yeah. because once in a while you need them or, you know, whatever. But these are the herbs that we really work with on a, on a weekly basis. Yeah, and maybe we should even say, like, as dried of plant matter. Because I've got some pedicularis just as tincture, you know? Yep. Uh, I don't keep that as a tea herb, but that's definitely... Once in a while, uh, we have a little bit as tea, and it's very special and exciting. It is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've been on this series since episode 170, uh, back when we started with Akalea. And here we are at Zingiber. Yeah. (laughs) Zingiber. Yeah, ginger, ginger is it. Uh, this is no, you know, herb and friend uh, herb episode today. This is all about ginger all the time. Because was there even a question, really? Yeah, ginger definitely deserves its own episode. We did not plan it that way. Um, it just happened that way naturally. Because naturally, that is what would happen. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're going to talk about ginger. But first, we're going to remind you that uh, we have online courses for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We are not just podcasters. In fact, we run a whole herb school. It's pretty good, and you should try it out. Yeah. Uh, We'll talk more about it a little later, but you can find all of our courses at Mm online.commonwealthherbs.com. And I think we mentioned ginger in all of them. I bet that we actually do. We probably do. Trying to think of a single course that doesn't have (laughs) a reference to ginger in it. Yeah, I don't know. It's It's a hard ask, honestly. Possibly the integumentary health course, the skin mm, health course. I don't know. Sometimes you get devitalized tissue and you want to warm it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably in there too. I'll find out to be sure, but yeah, it is. Well, we'll have to think on that one. But uh, for now, we also want to remind you that we're not doctors. We're herbalists. We're holistic health educators. The ideas discussed in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. No state or federal authority licenses herbalists in the United States, so these discussions are for educational purposes only. We want to remind you that good health doesn't mean the same thing for everyone. Good health doesn't exist as an objective standard. It's influenced by your individual needs, experiences, and goals. So keep in mind, we're not attempting to present a single dogmatic right way that you should adhere to. Everyone's body is different, so the things that we're talking about may or may not apply directly to you, but we hope that they'll give you some new information to think about and some ideas to research and experiment with further. Finding your way to better health is both your right and your own personal responsibility. This doesn't mean you're alone on the journey, and it doesn't mean you're to blame for your current state of health, but it does mean that the final decision when considering any course of action, whether it's discussed on the internet or prescribed by a physician, that's always your choice to make. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ginger. Ginger. Zingiber officinale. You know, I'm actually... Zing, zingy bear. Zing, zingy bear. Zingy bear. Zingy bear. There you go. That's yeah. right up there with your uh, 
Silly bum. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> zingy bear. Why would you not? Why would you miss the opportunity to say zingy bear? You know, I mean, we don't know how they said it in Latin. However many thousand years ago, maybe the, the they entire did. field of historical linguistics would like a field would like a, a chat. But there's a small part of me that is like, hi, you have a degree in knowing that that is not how they said yeah, it, but yeah. okay, yes. <laughs> uh, I'm really excited to talk about ginger in this moment because perimenopause, y'all, is ramping up and uh, my body is changing a lot. Um, and that is not super fun, but like any, uh, like any good herbalist, who gets sick or has some other kind of health experience. It is pretty exciting from the perspective of, ooh, now I get to experiment in, with plants in different ways. It's instructive. <laughs> so, you know, it's that, yeah. it's that weird thing of like, that every herbalist has at some point experienced of like, oh man, I'm sick. Oh yeah, I get to try that tincture out, you know, <laughs> like whatever. Yeah. So, okay, so that's happening for me with ginger right now. Um, and I can remember, uh, filming videos for the Materia Medica course about ginger and feeling very strongly about dried ginger and that dried ginger was the only thing worth making tea out of and, um, was the only thing that felt good in my body. And I mean, it feels different for all people. And obviously I acknowledged that back then, but I I felt very strongly about what felt good in my body at that time. And at this time, I have made a 180 degree change from all of that. Um, and now I feel very strongly that fresh ginger is the only true ginger for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. You changed your tune a bit on that one. Yeah, I really um, have. Yeah. Well, we noticed it first when you were like, I think that. Ginger's giving me some heartburn or something? That's never happened before. What's going on here? Yeah. And then you just kind of backed off on... Because we would, you know, make chamomile and ginger tea, for instance. With a lot of ginger. Most nights. And they might be, you know, not exactly equal parts because chamomile is so fluffy. But maybe like a hand scoop of ginger and a couple of hand scoops of chamomile flowers. Mm -hmm. And then you were like, no, you got to dial it back. No, dial it back a little further, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting too hot inside here. Uh... And then it was a while later that you came back and were like, well, fresh ginger. That feels different. Yeah, yeah. And I I mean, like, to be fair to my esophagus, it's not like real heartburn exactly. It's like baby heartburn. It's like, it's like just this super awareness of like, that is too hot. And also that like, I mean, the too hotness has changed a lot in my body. Um, I've gone from a person who always wore two sweaters to like, Hey babe, can we open the window? And he looks at me like, you want to what? It's just very surprising. <laughs> this has never happened before. <laughs> How will we accomplish this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, so, so it is, there's just, there's a lot going on in my body and, and coming to that realization that like, holy cow, ginger is just way too hot for me. It is just putting my whole system into overdrive when it used to be that I needed ginger just to get me going at all, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and part of that was why I felt so strongly about dry ginger for my body because the dry ginger is much more intense. Um, 
and yeah there's a there's a bit of um phytochemical transformation that occurs as the ginger dries mm-hmm. um one way to talk about it is that in the fresh ginger there's these constituents called gingerols gingerols and then as they dry they convert into sugarols it's a hard word to say sugarols right? <laughs> um and it's it's like it's like it sort of gets a little condensed and it acts a little more intensively uh, at that at that at that you know at that time at that uh, at that stage so it's often been observed that yeah the the fresh ginger it gets the blood moving and it can disperse the blood out to your fingertips and all of that. And that's great, but it's not as centrally heating as the dried ginger is. Dried ginger is like, we go to the furnace, we shovel in the fuel, we stoke it up, right? Mm -hmm. We get a good hot fire going and that will ultimately like spread out from there and come up to your skin and give you the stimulant diaphoretic effect and the circulatory stimulant effect out to your periphery and everything. But it's more, there's more heat in the middle of you with the the dried ginger than the fresh. I also can remember this discussion years ago and like hearing you theoretically when you say stuff like that and, and, you know, talk when other people say like, I find ginger more dispersive and whatever. But in my body, that was not true. In my body fresh ginger was not hot enough to disperse anything. Right. Every like fresh ginger came in and everybody was like, yeah, no, we're still stuck in the mud. We're not going anywhere. You are not motivating enough. And I really needed the shovels of dry ginger to get the fire going warm enough that anything was available to disperse, you know, kind of like coconut oil when it's not warm enough. (laughs) You know, Um, And, and so I, in my body, never found fresh ginger to be particularly dispersive simply because there wasn't in there wasn't really any heat to begin with in order for anything to disperse i had to first heat up the core yeah and now that is just not true right right yeah i've seen folks post um like heat heat uh, like a thermal imaging scan uh, and they had like a side-by-side comparison, like this person was given a dose of fresh ginger and this person was given a dose of dried ginger. Mm. And you can just kind of like see the difference in the degree of warmth. <laughs> yeah, in like different places of the body. On, on yeah. the body or, or has like moved to the skin after so many minutes past dose time or whatever. But yeah, it's, it's really cool to see that. And it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting way to just note that plants do change when they've been processed mm-hmm. one way or another. Their influence change, their their degree is what we would be talking about here. The degree of heat in the ginger mm-hmm. that that changes uh, as it's very simply processed through drying. Yeah. So I am having a lot of fun with this right now because you know we say every time that we record a podcast, and basically if our mouths are moving, we probably are saying this that every body is different. And so people experience herbs differently. And this is a huge part of the reason why we're always like, you know, people will ask, well, what's a good herb for ADHD? What's a good herb for you know, like whatever psoriasis? And, and we are like, mm, it depends. Like I, there, I have to know more about you to, to help you find the herb that's going to help you in this situation. Because I don't think about herbs in terms of, this herb matches to ADHD because that's just not how herbs work because everybody is different. And so, okay, yeah, we say it all the time, but 
it's pretty fun when your own body becomes different and you get to feel the ways that other people maybe feel when they're experiencing this herb. And obviously this doesn't happen all the time. Um, you can't just be like, oh, it's Tuesday and I'd like some new herbal data. I think I'll just induce menopause for a day and just try it. You know, <laughs> that's not going to work. Um, but so, okay. So you have experiments with your friends and you invite people over and ask them to try stuff and specifically try to invite your friends who have bodies that are really different than yours so that you can get lots of different perspectives on what you're trying. Um, and you just have to keep your mind really open that your experience with a plant is not the only experience that human bodies can have with that plant because human bodies are all so different. Um, and so, yes, I am enjoying this very yeah. much is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's been good. So, you know, what we've been doing is just uh, to go to the grocery store and find some nice uh, organic ginger roots and keep them in the fridge. And then when we're making tea, slice them right up and put them in there. And that's good to say because, like, not everybody has access to an herb shop that they can walk into and get, you know, the cut and sifted, the chopped up confetti pieces of dried ginger. Mm -hmm. um, you don't always want to work with ginger powder. Uh, but the fact that this herb is so widely available, like at the bodega at the corner store or whatever, like yeah. it's just around, you can find ginger pretty readily. And it's such a helpful plant. We were saying a minute ago, we mentioned it in almost every course that we teach one way or another. And if it's not like directly because of the specific powers of ginger to relieve nausea and warm up digestion and, you know, relax cramping in the belly and stuff like that, it may just be because ginger tastes nice and it's a familiar flavor mm -hmm. and you can put it together with other herbs and make it more palatable. Or you can take a formula that's a little too cooling for somebody and you can add a touch of ginger to it and warm it right up. Um, and now it suits their constitution better. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's just an extremely useful plant. Uh, it's an extremely versatile plant, has a lot of talents and it's, you know, a great friend. It is. Yeah. I'm really excited that the, fresh ginger is easier for my body to handle right now because the idea of not having ginger chamomile tea um is like an identity crisis for me yeah <laughs> you know? that's real. um and so uh so i am really great like for a while it was just no ginger at all because it just was too hot every time but now it is oh okay no problem we just have to put in fresh ginger right yeah, yeah. One other cool thing you can do with fresh ginger is you can take it and use like a like a vegetable grater um, and you can grate it on that and have a pile of, you know, kind of wet, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, like, you know, ginger grates. I don't know. Whatever you call those little bits. <laughs> Shreddy bits. <laughs> Shreddy bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And then you could take them and uh, you could microwave them for a little minute and heat them up, wrap them in a cloth and then put that on a tight, tense muscle or like your lower back where it's really cramped up and painful. Um, and especially places where there's like, there's tension and it's clear that things aren't, aren't moving, like the blood isn't flowing through that area. Mm -hmm. Maybe I keep gesturing to my, my neck and shoulder area here for all of the, you who are on the, the audio. Um, and I'm thinking of folks who have had like a lot of tension in the neck and shoulders and then they're getting like poor blood circulation to their fingertips and they're getting mm -hmm. tingles or mm -hmm. pain or whatever. Um, but yeah, you could take that ginger, make a, essentially this is a poultice from fresh plant material, put that right on. It'll warm the tissue. It'll release the tension. It'll encourage the blood to flow and it will directly have some anti-inflammatory activity. That'll just pass straight through the skin and get in, get into there. 
Um, so that's a simple topical preparation with ginger. Um, and again, think about the accessibility factor. Think about mm -hmm. the availability. How difficult is it to find that versus like, you know, kava infused coconut oil yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or some other thing, which would be fantastic and great, but isn't so easy for, you know, 49 of the states to get their hands on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, another way to work with that ginger poultice is to take those shreds and like wrap them in a cheesecloth or something so that they're kind of contained loosely. Yeah. Um, and you don't even have to heat it up. You can just put it right on the area, but then put a hot water bottle yeah. um, on top of it or like, you know, one of those rice heat uh, pads or even uh, like a, an electric heating pad. Some of them are, you can use them with, with water. Um, and so it isn't so much that you have to heat the ginger itself, but like you're just putting the heat on top of the poultice and that will bring heat to like the whole area and slowly warm up the ginger. Um, and so then you're getting like a kind of larger area of heat and circulation and the ginger is able to kind of seep in um, and disperse that way. Um, yeah. And and like if you're sore or you, you have a sports injury or you've been just working all day or whatever else, like just get on the couch with a show that you really like or an episode of a podcast you love, I have a suggestion. Um, and just put that poultice on and lean against the heating pad or the hot water bottle or whatever, and just stay there for a while and just allow yourself to just be a potato for a little while, ginger potato for a little while. It is okay. It is permitted. You are allowed to be a potato. Your kids can make the dinner tonight. Your husband can make the dinner tonight. Your whatever. You can eat cereal for dinner tonight. That's okay. <laughs> but like, it just whatever you need to do to take a half an hour, to take whatever you need to just be a potato for a little while. I feel like, I feel like in our culture, that kind of rest is kind of like, we don't really allow it anymore. And if... If you just lay down and, and say, well, I'm just going to lay here on this poultice for a little while because my shoulders are really aching from working on the computer all day. It's like, well, oh, that's not a very justifiable thing to do. I shouldn't be doing this. I should be doing some other thing. And so I just want to take a minute to be like, you should be doing this. It is okay. You are allowed. It is good for you. And it will help. And if there's something else that needs to be done at that same time, maybe somebody else in your household could do it, or maybe you could just do it tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So don't neglect your topicals. That's sort yeah. of a running theme for us. We try to bring that up whenever we can, talking about turmeric, about echinacea, mm -hmm. you know, um, but let's not leave ginger out of the topical party. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also today wanted to make a little time for an ode to candied ginger. Um, because, okay, yes, it has sugar. Yes, we're all holistic here. We're all trying to reduce our sugar consumption. Yes, there's big problems with, you know, insulin resistance and prediabetes and, and all of that. And I don't want to ignore any of that. But if you want something sweet, you could do a lot worse than candied ginger, right? right. <laughs> and, you know, there's different, different kinds you can get. There's the kind that's like covered in the big sugar crystals. And sometimes that's really nice. Like if you have, say, a birthday cake. 
and you want to put something very pretty on top of there. Yes. We're having cake. Come on. Don't worry about the sugar. (laughs) And then there's the ones where it's like the naked ginger, you know, and it's been candied in sugar syrup, but they brush all the crystals off and it's, (laughs) you know, just these nice little cubes. That's really good stuff. I I like to have that around um, sometimes because it's very portable and not messy. And I'll talk about our homemade candy ginger in in a minute, but that sometimes there's a little bit of mess uh, involved. I'm I'm thinking about airplanes. Um, I'm thinking about travel. I'm thinking about like a long car trip or a bus ride or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, across the country. Uh, Motion sickness is entirely likely. What if you get seated too close to the bathroom? There's different reasons that you might not feel so great in the belly. And (laughs) having some candied ginger available, you know, you can get it through customs, uh, through the security line, the TSA, whatever. Yep. Um, And, you know, it's just easy. And when your stomach is upset, sometimes you don't want to eat anything. You might not want to drink even a whole mug of tea, but like I could nibble on a piece of this a little bit at a time, Mm -hmm. you know? Or I could just hold it in my mouth and let the flavor and the juice kind of come down. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's really, really helpful. Yeah. Now you can do that also by taking a piece of fresh ginger and like slicing a piece of it and just holding that in your mouth too. But well, you might not, like that's not necessarily travel hardy because like it lasts a couple days out of the fridge, but then it's not really going to anymore. Um, Whereas candied ginger is like it is totally preserved you can take it anywhere it doesn't need any preparation and it's really helpful it comes in fairly large chunks i find them to be too large mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. uh so you know if that is the case it is okay to buy some chop them all up smaller and put them back in the container and that way when you need one you have a smaller piece yeah. um yeah or you can chop them all up small and then you can cook them into your cookies that include chamomile powder and you can yes. have ginger chamomile cookies. And they're really good. They are really good. <laughs> you don't even need to put like sugar in the cookies really because the sugar in the ginger takes care of it. Um, or you can put like just a tiny bit of sugar in the cookie. Uh, but it's those are really good. Yeah. We have a recipe for those and we'll put them into the show notes. Yes. Yeah. You can make your own candy ginger. You can take a ginger root. You can just have any any old ginger root from the store. You can chop it up. Uh, into some cubes or whatever shape you like and uh, put it in a jar cover it with honey let it macerate in there for what we often end up doing is like a couple days on the counter mm-hmm. and then move it to the fridge yeah 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 we leave it on the counter until it's until it gets pretty syrupy like it thins out quite a bit and um, if the ginger is pretty fresh that happens faster and if the ginger is like older and pretty dry that happens more slowly so there's not like a a specific number of days that is like the standardized number you just have to kind of watch for it to turn syrupy Um, and then put it in the fridge and the reason is because it can ferment if you leave it on the counter which is not the end of the world but is also maybe not what you're going for so yeah right right um it's a little nicer when you prepare this with fresh young ginger roots yeah. yeah, if you can get them. Mm-hmm. They are the ginger roots that are still like yellow with red tips as opposed to like having the brown papery skin. Right. Um, and usually you can only get that if there are um, farms around you who are growing it. And believe it or not, here in Massachusetts, lots of farms grow ginger and then you get that, that fresh young ginger. Um, and it's just not as fibery 
And yeah, it, 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 a it's difference. a lot juicier. Mm. Um, and so it makes a much nicer candied ginger ultimately. But the, the key here is that you're putting it in honey and um, letting it macerate for a month maybe or longer. And ultimately, you're going to end up with some fantastic ginger syrup. Okay, good. So pour the honey into its own jar. Now it is ginger syrup. You're going to do wonderful things with that. But don't throw the ginger chunks away. Instead, I usually leave them in a strainer over some kind of bowl so that the last bits of honey can drip down. And I put them back in the fridge because that's a little bit dehydrating. And once all of the last bits of honey have dripped off, that takes a few days. If you really are in a hurry, you can put them in the dehydrator um, or you can just leave them in the back of the fridge that way. Um, like put a little cover over them or something, but um, they will slowly dehydrate themselves until they are chewy ginger candy. And in that case, it's all honey that is in them. It, uh, okay, honey is still it is a sugar. sugar. It is, like, it is, it is. It, yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's better for these um i would keep i would not store them on the shelf i would store them in the refrigerator all the time i would not consider these to be travel stable no yeah um but they are really lovely but they're really lovely and they're fine in your fridge for a long time yeah and of course you know when you do that process you get the ginger infused honey and the honey infused ginger bits yes <laughs> right and so you know we can be drawing off that honey and mixing it with sparkling water or we can be mixing it in with herbal tinctures to make a nice elixir mm -hmm. maybe you take some tincture combo and you want to warm it up a little bit you want to maybe make it a little touch more palatable to somebody okay ginger syrup ginger honey syrup is a fantastic mm -hmm. way to accomplish that um so it's just a nice thing to have around and then yeah now we have these candied bits of ginger you can eat them by themselves you can bake them into things you can marinate meat with it whatever you know you've got a ton of options they're it's, really good it's really nice to have yeah yeah uh you know if you don't have farms around you that provide that fresh young ginger ginger to your local stores uh you can become your own ginger farm it is actually not hard at all so get yourself some organic ginger from the grocery store and you literally can plant it Make sure it stays, you know, damp. But when you look at the ginger, you'll see that it has some little nubs. Um, you know, it's got the thummy parts, but each thumb part has like a little nub that if you look at it, you're like, you know, that kind of looks like it could be a little sprout. And you might think that it looks like the sprout of a root, like the tip of a root coming out. It is not. Um, it is, it is more like the sprout on a bulb, you know, like the, just a, a, a shoot that is about to come up because that is in fact exactly what it is, it's, it's a shoot. So you'll put your ginger pieces in the dirt, keep it damp, and that little shoot will find its way up even if you accidentally put it facing down. It's okay. I mean, try to face it up, but even if you don't, it will still figure it out. Plants are pretty smart. Uh, and it will grow a ginger plant and it, it doesn't take a lot of work. Ginger doesn't like harsh direct sunlight. It prefers like, it's like an understory plant. It prefers a uh, kind of a more gentle sunlight. So if you've got a tree, put it outside in the summer in a place where it gets some shade from that tree, some portion of the day, it's not just the whole day in the direct sunlight. Um, and it will just keep growing. We have we have three pots of ginger 
that are like, by now the root system or the rhizome system underneath is like the whole pot because every year it's adding to the rhizomes. It's making the rhizomes bigger and bigger. And after a couple years, you've got, or if you start off by planting a lot of ginger, then it'll happen much faster. But you'll get enough ginger that you can harvest it. Hmm. Maybe not to be all your ginger for the whole year, but enough to to make candied ginger with the fresh young ginger. Hmm. And then over time, uh, you may grow more and more, especially if you have a, a bunch of windowsills that want to have ginger plants in them. Or if you have a greenhouse uh it is it is not a high maintenance plant and it gives you some leeway in terms of watering like if you forget to water it it will tell you for a little while before it's sort of catastrophic um so it's it's just not a hard plant to grow and you might not think that you can grow it in a cold climate but you really can yeah it is dormant through the winter though it is dormant through the winter that's totally fine and great um, you do you do have to bring it inside, um, or you know if you have a greenhouse, but it'll flower even, and the flowers are are fascinating. Um, they're kind of they kind of remind me of orchid kinds of flowers. They're very pretty. Yeah, layered. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not the colors that I was expecting. I don't know what I was expecting, but they are um, kind of like a speckly sort of yellowy thing going on. They're, they're really cool. And um, anyway, this is not an intimidating plant. You might think that initially, but it's really worth growing your own um, because the ginger that you get from it is tender and delicious. And yes. <laughs> yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty nice yeah. to be able to do that. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about a couple of relatives of, of ginger just for like comparison and for connection. Um, so, you know, it's, it's got a whole family, right? The Zingiberaceae, the ginger family is the, the group that that's in. Um, and that group includes probably most famously at this point, turmeric. Uh, turmeric is, would you say the most famous relative yes. of ginger? In terms of like the most well-known, well, maybe cardamom, but people cardamom. don't realize that cardamom is a ginger relative. Yeah. So I think that turmeric is probably the most identifiable ginger relative, especially because when you look at the rhizomes, turmeric just looks like a small orange ginger. Yeah. You know, they look they look so similar that you're like, oh, these guys are related. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you can see it. Galangal is like that as well. That's another one where what people consume is the rhizome and basically in the same ways and most of the same dishes mm -hmm. that you might be inclined to put a ginger or a turmeric, right? Because all of these are going to have in common the basic energetics of the ginger, right? Being, being warming, uh, having a drying impact. Um, there's some variance in terms of like how relaxant versus how kind of tonifying activity you can get. I think turmeric has some tonification to it, especially on like your gastrointestinal mucosa. Um, a bit more there than, than what you get with ginger. Um, but as far as like the muscular layers go, these are all going to get a relaxant activity going for you, mm. you know? Um, cardamom, like you said, another important relative, but there, you know, yeah, you don't think of it the same way because we get the seed pods right? and we take those. Right. So you don't like visually, you don't identify that as ginger as much. Yeah. But of course, every time you make chai and you start with ginger and cardamom, it's a little family reunion. <laughs> <laughs> We like to have those. Similar to cardamom is grains of paradise, because that's another one where people work with the seeds primarily. Um, and also one called korarima. So the two of those are, are um, 
their species of Aphromomum. Aphromomum is their is their uh, their genus name there. Yeah, so those ones I, I haven't actually gotten to play with Kororima, um, but we have ordered Grains of Paradise a few times, and I quite like them. They're they're most similar to when you take the little black seeds out of your cardamom pods mm-hmm. and you you have those separate. Um, the Grains of Paradise seeds are really similar to that, but uh, but yeah, it's a slightly different flavor. So sometimes it's fun to like set up several plants that are all really similar, or in this case, like closely related and kind of taste them one next to the other. It's a good way if you're trying to build up your, you know, your herbalist's tongue, um, <laughs> your capacity yeah. to, to note small differences between things and have that, that you know, uh, that, that gustatory attention to detail. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's a fun game, right? If you get a bunch of herbalists together and you want to have some herbalist party games, one of them is, let's get a bunch of herbs that are closely related and look really similar and you have to guess which one yeah. it is. Right. Yeah. 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 You can do it with fresh herbs or with tinctures or, or, or all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Just yesterday, um, one of my um, uh, pharmacy school students was asking me uh, about a plant called Zingiber zerumbet, um, which has a couple of common names. One is the shampoo ginger or the shampoo lily ginger. Um, and another one is bitter ginger. Um, so Isn't bitter ginger calamus? Or turmeric, it's right? Got a bitter yeah. element to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it did make me curious about this plant, and so I, I dug into it just a little bit. Um, and it's, you know, it, it is true that people will take the flowering structures and do like water infusions of that, and then rinse their heads with them. I think it probably produces a little bit of saponin or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can also consume the roots of this. It's just that it has a bitter note to it, and so most people are like, "Oh, you don't want that." But me, I'm like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> How much does that taste like calamus? How much does that taste like turmeric? I want to try that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's cool to, to sometimes stop and look at the relatives of your plants. And I think we did something similar way back when we were talking about Artemisia. We were talking about mugwort primarily, but yeah. referencing to wormwood and to sweet annie um, and tarragon, for that matter. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a fun way to kind of take plants you know and explore the wider world. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny about the that relationship because when you look traditionally, ginger and calamus and also angelica all have a really strong relationship in terms of substitutions. Even though now we're talking about three different families, um, they like these are plants that are frequently substitutes of each other because they have such similar properties which you can see as an herbalist you can be like well yeah medicinally i see where the properties are really similar but the flavors feel really different to me but uh traditionally they were not so different and often um like i there are there are early american recipes by which I mean like early colonizer recipes in North America where they didn't have ginger and so they substituted calamus um, in the recipe and I think to myself wow that's a really different flavor they must have put a lot of sugar or something in there to to like boost up the sweetness to try to get that substitution Mm. but uh but there are there are quite a few recipes like that so yeah one thing that they might have also done in some cases was to work with another plant um, 
uh, called wild ginger or sometimes Canadian wild ginger. Mm -hmm. This one is not a relative of ginger. It is a, a fleshy root rhizome structure that you can dig up and it has a pungent flavor and smell and all of that and warming quality. Um, the species on this is Asarum and there's a bunch, but the most common one or the one people write about most often is Asarum canadensa, right? So again, Canadian wild ginger. Um, this one is not a great substitution for ginger, um, especially because we like to have ginger frequently. Thank you yes. very much. Um, the trouble is that this plant, this, this whole genus of Asarum, um, it contains both a chemical called Asarone, uh, and another one, which is even more dangerous called Aristolochic acid. Both of those are pretty bad. <laughs> uh, the thing is, it's not like you're going to make a tea out of this root and feel terrible immediately. It's not going to make you vomit. It's not going to give you dizziness or blurry vision or headaches or something like acute, right? But they can damage the liver. And especially mm -hmm. if somebody was to make a habit of consuming this root frequently, they could really end up with some, some liver toxicity and some damage there. Mm -hmm. um, so I can remember when I first learned about this plant and I was like, wait, there's a ginger that just grows in the forest right here where I live. Let me get that. Um, but shortly afterward, I was cast down into despair because of the <laughs> because of the hepatotoxicity of it. And right. yeah, better not to go that way. But calamus. Calamus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Right. So just a little warning on that one yeah. <laughs> to round it off. All right. Well, those are some uh, miscellaneous thoughts on ginger for today. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, ginger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we go, we wanted to give you a little advertisement. Um, like we said, we mentioned ginger in basically every course, but probably most frequently in the digestive health course. Because again, it's so, so helpful it, it for is. the nausea, the slow digestion, the incomplete digestion, the low low stomach fire, um, the feeling cramping, like, spasms. Yeah, and just feeling like your whole gut is heavy and slow and not moving and yeah. yep. The cold patterns of constipation, you know, mm -hmm. um, and then again, to warm up a, a formula, to improve the flavor of a formula, all these reasons. So, so helpful. Um, but that course is a really fantastic one. If you struggle with some gut upsets, if you have some discomforts in the bathroom, you know, I'm sure you don't <laughs> want to talk about it. You probably don't want to hear me talk about it too much, but hey, like that's a part of a lot of lives mm -hmm. and there's a lot that herbs can do to help. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing how much of a difference ginger can make throughout the entire digestive system, even if you don't make any other changes. And obviously there are so many other things that if you do a little of everything, you will have even more success. But if there's like literally only one thing you can do to improve digestive health and it was ginger, you really would make a big difference. Yeah. Um, but you can learn all of the interventions for di digestive health. Uh, everything from occasional heartburn through to Crohn's and celiac and IBS and everything in the middle mm -hmm. uh, in the digestive health course, which you will find at online.commonwealthherbs.com. And like all of our courses. <laughs> <laughs> like all of our courses, that includes video lessons. That's the primary format for what we're giving to you. Each lesson has an associated MP3, so you can download that content and take it with you while you walk in the woods to mm. find some Asarum Canadensa, see if it's out there. <laughs> um, there's PDFs of uh, key content and uh, quick guides to remind you about what you're learning. 
each lesson has a discussion thread attached where you can post up your questions and get a response from faculty. Uh, you get access to our community of other students and learners so you can share what you're up to um, and uh, see what other folks are doing with their with their herbs and their herbalism. Mm -hmm. And there's access to twice weekly Q&A sessions with us. More than twice weekly by now. Right. Because yeah, because we also have international sessions and clinical sessions. And there's so many live Q&A sessions is what we're saying. Yeah. So you are not out there learning by yourself. Uh you can come anytime you want to be learning with the whole rest of everybody and also with us live. Um, and you get lifetime access. So um, not only can you go at your own pace and never worry that it's going to get taken away, but also uh, every time we add updates to the courses, you just get them for free, magically included in your account. Like you don't even have to do anything. It just shows up magically for you, uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So again, you can find that and all of our other courses at online.commonwealthherbs.com. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's it for us. Uh, thanks for listening. And <laughs> next week, we're going to do something different. We're going to do something different. Because, you know, it's time. Yeah, I'm pretty excited <laughs> about it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Drink some tea. Drink some tea. And be a zingy bear. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.